He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. What's up all my Slick Talkers? This episode is brought to you by my friends at Hostfully. Now these are the days where enough is enough with managing multiple calendars for your properties in order just to make sure you don't get double booked. And not having a website for your guests to get to know your story and book direct? You can stop stressing at least a little bit and check out my friends at Hostfully. Hostfully was created by hosts for hosts and they understand the importance of centralizing operations, inboxes, calendars, and of course, keeping up with the times and the industry data. You can go to hostfully.com, use my code SLICKTALK20 to get access to their digital guidebooks and their property management software. I use them as well and I love the simplicity of their product. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now sit back and enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and today our guest is Tim, who is the co-founder of Bowie, a dynamic pricing platform for vacation rentals. And prior to founding the company, he was actually an independent revenue manager and spent about two years with Oasis Collections, who we've had on the show before. So I'm really excited to have Tim Spiker, who is the co-founder of Bowie on Slick Talk. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great, Will. Happy to be here. Yes, it's good to see you again. We had you on Good Morning Hospitality when we were covering um, basically guest experience and property pricing and how this is all playing into into revenue management and the strategies that hosts and managers should be implementing. But we already had this on the books prior, so it was kind of like the yeah. egg be- came before the chicken and vice versa. You know what? People can't get enough revenue management. It's totally fine. Yeah, exactly. Revenue management is so much fun. <laughs> yeah, let's give the people what they want. I love it. Well, Tim, in this in this show, we'd love to just jump right into your origin story. Where did you start and what were the moments and the, I guess, events that led into you creating Bowie? Yeah, so I mean, really, it started when I was an Airbnb host for the first time back in 2013. Um, you know, the platform is really new. And so I I saw it as a way to make money on the side, like while I was working in the uh, event industry. Um, And so I had some pricing algorithms in place, like for pricing, like special events and things like that. And I I found when I opened up my listing that I could apply a lot of those same principles to uh, revenue management for my listing. So, you know, I, I grew my company a little bit and then I saw Oasis came into town in 2016. And I was like, man, they've got my exact same business model, but they're many years ahead of me. They're well-funded. It's like, they're so cool. So I, I left my little business behind. I joined them. And then, you know, after a couple of years, I was the global head of revenue management. So Hyatt invested. They, um, they sent me through their revenue management program with Cornell. And I created this, this algorithm that I was supposed to bring back to Oasis and like deploy through all of their different markets. And like, it was like very simple and easy to use. Every one of their city managers could, could use it. But then I realized like, oh, there is like, there is no technology in the space that can actually make it. And, you know, Oasis was trying to sell the Vicasa at that time. So like, it just wasn't, it wasn't in the, in the works for me. 
So uh, I spent a few years on my own, like perfecting the methodology and like testing it out. Um, I was super happy with the, uh, with the results. And then I got a, an extremely talented developer to build it for me. So uh, it took a few years, but we've got it ready now. That's awesome. And Parker Sanberry is just a great guy. So what a cool experience to be able to get into a company that is, like you said, I feel like very well ahead of the curve, especially when uh, the pandemic started, they created the passport and it was just really good stuff. Um, so I think that's one really great experience for anybody to get into. And then of course, Cornell, you and I are both uh, Cornell guys. So I love it. Uh, you know, it's just, it's really good backbone experience in order to create and innovate in the industry that is consistently changing, especially cool. now during these days. Um, so I love the experience. Um, now let's talk about what you were talking about with your, your company prior. So you were doing events. Is that, is that what it was? I'm kind of yeah, curious about the beginning. The performing arts industry. So, you know, I, I price a bunch of, you know, plays, musicals, that kind of thing. Sometimes special events. Like I, I worked for the architecture biennial in Chicago, which is like half a million people came to this big architecture event. So it was like figuring out, how to predict demand mm. and sometimes for something completely new. Like if it's a new play that nobody has ever seen, how do you price that? You know? Yeah. So um, a lot of the, a lot of the formative problem solving that eventually went into Bowie actually began before I ever opened a Airbnb listing. Interesting. That's really interesting. So let's tie uh, everything back into Bowie. What is Bowie exactly? So it's a dynamic pricing platform. You guys have built it. Give us a little bit of backstory on, what you've learned even just developing something like this. Yeah. So um, I tried to, well, I was frustrated with the base rate model that, that existed. I felt like it could almost do what I wanted, but it was so clunky that for a, for a portfolio, the size of Oasis, which had more than a thousand unique listings, like each of which had their own like owner who had their own opinions about like what revenue management should be. Like I, I had to create something that was like crazy flexible and I just didn't quite have that flexibility uh, with the base rate algorithms. So I was like, okay, let's take the idea of a, of a base rate and let's replace that with, let's say a range of rates for similar units to yours. So like, you know, I developed an algorithm that can say, all right, these are all of the very similar listings to yours in the market. When somebody buys your listing, they're probably shopping at these ones as well. So we say, okay, that's the rate range that we're working with them. And then the base rate algorithms say, okay, well, based on that base rate, we're going to inflate the rate X, Y, or Z for a weekend, a weekday, or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I need to know how to like make an adjustment on that initial rate. So how do I figure out how much to raise it? Well, I looked at hotels because I know that like their demand problem solving is like way, way better than vacation rentals. And so like, they just have a, a, a better idea of like what the um, variance should be. So I look to them for the variance, unless of course you're in a crazy rural area where there's like no hotels or that they're not relevant, in which case I can take it from other market factors. Then lastly, um, we want to layer in some like some sort of historical context, but especially right now, like historical rates are not relevant, <laughs> you know, because we're in a totally brave new world, a scary new world, it can seem like sometimes. So I want to look at uh, instead purchasing behavior, because, you know, if you're, if, if you're booking a like seven bed ski chalet, like for a specific time, you're still going to have a, a bit much bigger booking window than if you're booking like a, a studio downtown in an urban area. And so those elements are still present in previous years. So we, um, we look at those uh, an array of different purchasing patterns and then drop the rate 
um, based on how advantageous it is uh, for the booking pace. So uh, to explain what I mean, uh, you'll see a lot of vacation rental managers like say, hey, I want to drop my rate 30% over the last 21 days of the booking window or something like that. Um, what the way we approach that is we say, okay, typically for this market, like when do people start actually booking? And we don't want to drop our rate until booking pace actually picks up. In, in which case, like we want to drop it down to be really competitive with the competition. You get two benefits there. Number one, you get an in, uh, increase in page views because you're now more competitive. And number two, the OTA probably put some sort of special promotion on because they've seen that the price has dropped after being published at a higher rate for like 270 days or something. Um, and so then as the booking window extends, you're probably going to get booked. But just in case you don't, then we drop it down at the very last minute, but don't let you get too far um, out of the range of your top set medium. So we, we call that a seatbelt. So you can never like lose out too far on the low end. So with those three things together, number one, the, the comp set rate range, number two, like the hotel demand range, and then number three, the historical behavioral um, patterns, uh, that's what we recommend our, the rate to be. Then like once users understand the rate that we've recommended, they can go in and adjust it up and down. And as market conditions change, the rate will float on those market conditions, which is why we call the algorithm buoy. And you know, they can say, hey, I actually wanna make this more buoyant or less buoyant, like make it higher than, than you're making it just generally or lower just generally. Um, or they say like, let's anchor the rate to like just this one rate over this period of time. Um, yeah, so because it's one thing to have the algorithm that, that does all of these things. It essentially like replaced everything that I did as a revenue manager but then you still have to give it to the vacation rental manager so they can take those revenue management principles and apply their specific instincts to the rate schedule. So that's what I do. We, we set all of that automatically and then let people go in and like nudge it around based on what their instincts say. That is a good explanation of why the company's name is Bowie. I was actually going to ask, I was like, where did you guys get Bowie from? But that actually is very, as a revenue geek myself, I think that makes total sense. Um, now I'm curious, and we kind of talked about this off offline is with, we've had multiple dynamic pricing solutions on the show. Um, there's plenty out there. I think we see a lot of, you know, I think you saw everything that they saw, you know, that you can't just set a weekday weekend rate. Um, how can we implement better revenue strategies in this market of an industry? Cause like, I'll give a side story when I first, um, started in the, actual main vacation rental management side of things, uh, working with a big property. I told them, I was like, I would love to be a, a revenue manager for you guys. Uh, this is something I feel like is really important. They're like, no, our rates are $1,500 a night, blah, blah, blah. And then in the summer we raised it up to about 2,500 depending on uh, certain events in the summer, whether it's a you know fair or something else in town. And I was like, okay, but like, I feel like you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, and let's just say that was the overall response I got from a lot of owners and managers was that, that, you know, these are our rates and this is how like vacation rentals aren't like hotels. You can't, you know, do revenue management with them. It's you, you find the best rate that works and, and that's it. And I was like, uh, and the, back then I was like, uh, okay, like, I guess I could see that, but I feel like you're wrong. <laughs> and, uh, right. So I, I'm, but you, didn't have, but you didn't have the market data to prove it exactly because they, they were operating in a closed, system and they're only comparing themselves to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy to manipulate your perspective on your performance to tell the story you want to tell. 
But as soon as you say, okay, now let's compare it to the rest of the market. Oh, you had a 5% improvement, but the rest of the market had a 7% improvement year over year. Well, congratulations. You didn't do as well as your competition. Yeah. And if I were only looking at my own data, I would say, yay, 5% improvement. We're doing better than last year. Yeah. And so like, that was always a sobering thing with these Oasis owners was to say, I mean, I know that you say your home is definitely worth $1,500 a night, mm-hmm. but you haven't had a reservation in a little while and looking at your market, like it's mostly in between 700 and 900 yeah. for this type of listing. So do you think that you're twice as good as the other listings in, in the market? If so, let's keep it there. But I think you can make more money if we drop your rate a little bit. Yeah, It's, it's really obvious, like if you see the benchmarking and the crazy thing is like the reason the base rate algorithms had to be built the way they are is because we didn't have the data Mm -hmm. um, that we have now when all of those companies were created, you know, but from like 2018, 2019 on, you know, transparent air DNA, a lot of these guys have really, really robust data sets. You know, the hotel industry is like now starting to serve the vacation rental industry. So it's like, Mm -hmm. we are in a completely different world when it comes to the data available to us. So it, it doesn't make sense anymore to me yeah. to use a base rate algorithm, which is its own self-contained thing that like is a little bit influenced by, by like external factors, but ultimately it's so restrictive that you can't take advantage of like the full elasticity in your market. Yeah. Just where you have to like put huge like rate inflations and stuff like that on your, on your base rate for um, big events like the Kentucky Derby and stuff like that. Totally agree. And yeah, so after my side story that I didn't actually schedule or plan to talk, uh, talk about or bring in the episode, but was my main question I want to ask you now is what, so, you know, like I said, there's a couple other pricing solutions out there that this is now becoming a, a, I think a market, especially in the vacation rental industry, like you said, um, what uh, made you want to continue to pursue it uh, in creating Bowie, you know, being now that's probably going to be more competition. What, what do you think? On that side of things, do you feel like is what's pu- you know pushing you and driving you guys forward as a company? Yeah, you know, a couple of things. Number one, like it was really frustrating for me a few years ago to like come out of this program. <laughs> you know, like I was at Oasis, I was at the company, we got the investment from Hyatt, I did all of the work at the school, I made the thing, it was supposed to work, and the technology let me down. And like, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm still a little salty about it. <laughs> but ultimately it like opened up, it opened up this opportunity for me. And I was like, it has to happen this way, right? It has to come from the market. Now, the other thing that I discovered as I was trying to trying to make this originally was um, the systems that are out there right now, like their databases are just not very well built. Um, so they couldn't support the type of thing that we were trying to do. So um you know, God smiled on me and we had a like huge stroke of luck. And I happened to be in Los Angeles at the same time as the guy who built the Spotify podcasting database and like happened to get a drink. I happened to show him the competition. I happened to like show him the sketches that Candace, you know, my wife co-founder who uh, uh, designed the front end happened to show him the sketches that we put together. And he was like, I'm going to build that for you. (laughs) And um, database technology is like some of that stuff that like improves really, really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden we have the state of the art database that has the ability to process a billion row table um, and take it and like, you know, recommend a rate and then have an interface that is stable enough that somebody can like intuitively nudge it up and down Mm -hmm. because like 
you can't like, I was really successful using a base rate algorithm. It's like, I learned how to play that difficult musical instrument really, really well, but it didn't need to be that difficult in the mm. first place. So like, yeah, the interface um, was the other barrier because even if there's a good algorithm, sometimes people can hang themselves with too much rope, mm. trying to get too cute, like manipulating their base rate algorithm, trying to take advantage of the full elasticity of the market, but not having great tools to be able to do it. Mm. So I tried to make the interface as simple as a weather app because weather apps, like the data behind a weather app is like monumentally complicated. But the interface is so simple that you can get all of the information you need in a matter of seconds. That's what we aspire to at Bowie. No, that's, uh, I think I, I see a pattern with you about weathermen and weather. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, dude, we, we interact with it every day. Like, yeah. the, thing, the thing with revenue management is, like, lots of people fail just because like they don't have a good relationship with their data. Yeah. Like you should be going in, you should have the the comfort to spend 10 to 15 minutes a day checking, processing your data and like understanding just what's going on in your, like in your market and in, in your um, portfolio. Um, the like weather apps are the most accessible equivalent that we have in the consumer tech world. No, that's good. Um, now I have two questions for you. So when you're having drinks with your developer, um, what have been some of the things that have maybe shocked you, you know, in, in creating this as a, you know, real product. And then question number two is for the people or the revenue managers or property managers that say, Hey, I, you know, there are tools like air DNA. There are tools like, X, you know, Y and Z, yeah. But I feel like I know my market better. Like I know my competition. I know this. Like I feel like I can pick up. I know the special events. I know our booking windows. Like they feel very confident in themselves compared to dynamic pricing suggestions or even tools that help with um, stuff like this. And they, you know, they're more hesitant to onboard. What What's an answer that you normally give on to why a solution like Bowie can actually help that gut feeling versus uh, hinder it? I mean, they, they may be doing great, you know, that, that may be an accurate gut feeling, but like, don't you want to check against your market and like, see if you actually stacked up. And, um, I love the data that AirDNA and transparent have, like personally, we, we use transparent because it's a, a little bit more complete, but, um, you know, those platforms don't necessarily take your performance and benchmark you like in a very, very understandable way against your, uh, against your competition. And here's where like, let's go really nerdy. The reason for this is because they use aggregated data instead of well-formatted disaggregated data. And so it, it makes it more difficult from a construal distance perspective. Construal distance represents the difficulty someone has with understanding a concept. There are a few different types of distance, like distance in time, distance in space, but then distance in uh, abstractness. So if we represent, if we present only abstracted data um, for the market, but we look at unabstracted data for our own portfolio, then the only way to bridge the gap between the abstract and the concrete is through lots of training or lots of experience. 
which can only be gotten through expensive school, expensive consultants, or even more expensive trial and error from leaving lots of money on the table. Did that, yeah. did that answer that question? Definitely. Wait, what was the other question? The other question is what uh, maybe some, uh, I have another question from that answer that you just gave, but we'll go back to uh, your, you know, developing Bowie itself. What were any, yeah. any kind of uh, aha moments or shocking moments that you guys weren't expecting in development of this product from an idea in your head and on paper and design to now becoming something that people are actually using today? Yeah, I was, I was surprised at how little the tech in the industry has developed over the last like five years. I thought that it was going to be in a stronger place than it is. Um, but like our, our head of engineering is always like, whoa, I can tell like these companies like built this database and then grew and like never went back and like rebuilt that database. Because like, if you think about it, the industry has been so focused on expansion and market share and all of that stuff that like, I don't know that people have taken the time to like stop and say, actually, what are the like nuts and bolts of my like tech product? Maybe I should go back and like update that to be like one with the times. Like, for example, we had the luxury because we had such a talented developer, we had the luxury of building the, the app as a progressive web app. So like really soon, you're going to be able to just like click a button in the top corner of your of Google. And then all of a sudden you'll have an app on your phone, on your iPad, like on your computer, wh whatever you want. So um, it feels like it's a, a full app, but we don't have to release it in the Apple store or the, you know, the Google Play Store or whatever. Um, it's like, we just have a little bit better development team than I think a lot of the, the other um, companies have. And that's just because like we had that guy as a co-founder. Oh, that's awesome. That's really incredible. It's a, a blessing in disguise, I bet, especially on the podcast side. I'm like, I kind of want to meet this guy myself and be like, Hey, can we uh, let's talk about some podcast stuff? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. But um, now I want to go back to your first answer on um, about, you know, revenue managers or property managers that feel like they know their, their market better than a dynamic pricing software. Um, mm -hmm. so I want to just break it down to, to the basics of this statement, just because I feel like, you know, a lot of the listeners are very professional, but in case there's that one listener who's very new to the industry, I would love them yeah. to be able to understand, um, which is, so you said complete aggregated data and then unaggregated data. And that looks, yeah. looks kind of like it's aggregated, but it's not. So can you explain the differences for everybody, just like on what that looks like on the back end for you guys as a company? Yeah. So what, what AirDNA or Transparent will do is they'll show you like market averages and we just show you like the actual reservations and we show you so many reservations that it looks like a cloud. So you get like a really good idea of everything that actually exists in the market. And you never have to say like, okay, is that a real reservation? Or you never have to look at RevPAR and say, well, how much of that was ADR and how much of that was occupancy? Yeah. You know, it's like it, you can answer these questions that are like really specific to your portfolio. The other benefit that you have is like, th there's no intermediary step of disaggregating the data in your head, like which you can only do through training. And so I can look at an entire year um, of rates and I can process it in 10 seconds. Like earlier today, we just had a... Um, um, just had a, a new client come on board. You know, they've got 300 listings in uh, South Africa. Mm. And, you know, I, I happen to know that that city, but like, I don't do a lot of revenue management in, in South Africa. Yeah. Still, I can go through and go, boop, 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 look at all of their different listings, verify their, and like understand their position relative to the rest of their market. 
it only took me about 15 minutes to understand their entire portfolio performance over the last year and their um, rate schedule over the coming year. Mm-hmm. And like, I could also see where it was weak relative to the, to the um, hotel prices in the industry. And like we made the interface, so it should be really easy to just say, oh, okay, I'm going to raise this up a little bit here because the hotels are seeing something I missed. Interesting. That's really insightful, I think, uh, especially for, I'm curious, uh, just side question for South Africa, what's the travel market looking like? Is it international or is it more domestic? Oh, so it's it's definitely international. Europe loves going to Cape Town. Okay. Like <laughs> Europe loves going to Cape Town. Like there there is there is definitely domestic travel. Yeah. But Cape Town itself is a, a city of expats. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Very cool to hear about uh, market. But like they they have, they have reservations on the books right now for November December. Like some of those like really prime booking times. Like they're being booked right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I know that like we talk about the, the compressing booking window, like in a, in a post COVID world. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely true, but the more leisure and the more remote your, your market is, the bigger your booking window is going to be. So like yeah. those guys, like those guys are going to be at a relatively high uh, December occupancy, like over the next couple of months. Oh, that's awesome. Good for them. That's a nice, a good sign, a good, yeah. good sign for sure. Um, we actually just got a couple bookings for July finally. And as we've been playing with our rates and everything like that. So it's like, all right, cool. We're getting, getting good signs. August is getting booked. And yeah. So hopefully that's a, a, a good message of hope for everybody who's listening right now. Um, but Tim, so now I want to get into just overall for, I think we actually kind of covered this prior when we first met, but connectivity, I want to talk about that because um, there are so, I think, you know, there's, barely touched on there's a small market for dynamic price pricing softwares out there in the industry, whether the hotel vacation rental, uh, but there's a huge market of property management software. So what does connectivity look like for you guys uh, with the amount of managers that are on so many different platforms and some even change platforms multiple times um, depending on their needs and how they operate their business. So kind of curious on what does connectivity look like for you guys at Bowie? Yeah, right now we're only connected to Guesty. Um, it, it just so happened that like the clients I had as a, an independent revenue manager were Guesty users and also Guesty is really easy to connect to. So we decided to just like focus on that connection, perfect the product, like test the algorithm in, in a whole bunch of different markets with, with their users um, and kind of see how it goes. Right. And so now we're trying to decide like what, what the next step is. Like we may enter an, another marketplace. Like I'm talking to a lot of those property management systems right now. Um, but then there are also some really big companies that like are, you know, kind of wondering, do I want to try to rebuild my database myself or should we just like move to, you know, using Bowie for our di- dynamic pricing? Um, so we're, we're talking to a couple of really big players about a custom solution as well. That's awesome. That's really good news. Uh, that was my next question to kind of help wrap up the episode. Well, what's next for Bowie? What's, what's the next step? What's the vision uh, for this company and product in order to scale and get to like the quote unquote end goal for you guys. What, what does that look like? Yeah, I think it's just uh, showing it to more people and making it simpler and simpler. Like I just, I, I want the, I want the amount of time people spend in the platform to like keep going down, but the <laughs> number of times they engage with the platform to keep going up. And I think that we do that like by making it simpler and simpler and simpler. So um yeah, we, we've got some exciting new signups. And so like, we're going to run some tests in, in some new cities and I'm kind of excited to see what happens. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. It's like the dating app that's supposed to be deleted, right? You want the goals to get that product where you just don't have to be on it all the time, which it is a good sign for, you know, yeah, well, like if, like if our app, if our app is there to provide answers, then I want to know that we've done it quickly. If yeah. somebody's like spending several hours in there every day, then I'm like, there's something you're not understanding. There's something I need to fix about the app that can communicate this more clearly to you. So, um, yeah, we're in that, that testing phase right now and figuring out the simplest thing that we can make. Well, that's cool. Um, you kind of just said something that kind of sparked a, another question though, um, is education. I think, you know, this is a segment of, you know, hospitality, especially like short-term rentals specific, um, that I think has been very bootstrapped. It's been, you know, you know how Airbnb started, right? It was just a couple of guys wanting to couch surf and, and, and go about that, uh, that travel and pay for, you know, maybe while they're, while they're traveling, um, to now where it's very professional, people have bootstrapped their businesses from the beginning to now the companies are being very, very well funded, um, as you know, the tech and the growth is, is going. So, what do you guys feel like on the buoys uh, side of things when it comes to education about pr- uh, pricing and revenue management? Is that something you guys look at uh, as part of your business? Oh, a- absolutely. But the goal is that the data visualization is so simple that you don't need any sort of formal education to understand it. Mm. Like we, we understand the instincts that vacation rental managers have. And we try to arrange the visualization in a way that encourages sound revenue management decision-making. So yes, education is core to the app, but that's not the same thing as saying, we're going to release a a training program. You know, we're going to release buoy you come and Mm -hmm. learn all the stuff about revenue management. Cause it's like, no, you don't need to know it. Like our database did that for you already. Like (laughs) a lot of revenue management education right now is telling you how to become a bad algorithm yourself. Like, that's what I was as a revenue manager. Like as a human being, I'm always going to make mistakes. I'm always going to miss things. So like, don't have, don't have human beings doing things that, uh, uh, where an error is a, a costly thing for you. Mm-hmm. Outsource that to a computer and then let the humans do things like use their instincts to like make small adjustments up and down. Cause that's what humans are good at. That's good. Good answer. Awesome. Well, uh, like every episode, all my listeners know that I'm going to tag everything in the show notes. So we have, you know, Bowie's website, uh, your LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Really excited. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Slick Talk as well as Good yeah. Morning Hospitality. I'll tag that in the show notes so everyone can enjoy that fun morning show episode. Uh, but I, I like to give the guests the opportunity to say, where can we find you? Where can we learn more if people are interested? Yeah, buoy.us is our website. Um, we also now have Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, we are buoy.us there. Um, on Twitter, we're buoy pricing, but I don't think we've tweeted anything. So, <laughs> you know, you can follow us, but it'll be boring. Um, and then, you know, LinkedIn, I think that's the other thing. And then, yeah. you know, we'll show up to events here and there, VR Tech Connect and stuff like that. So, you know, you'll see us around. We're coming out of stealth. So, like, we, we could be seen now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's so cool. Well, you heard it. Slick talkers, check out the show notes, look at the links and go ahead and give them a follow if you're interested. And thank you so much, Tim, for being on Slick Talk today. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much for having me, man. Of course. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast.
What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.